All right, folks, it's 6.30. Barry, are we recording? All right, great. The students are doing a scavenger hunt as an opening little thing, and so they're going to be running past there, so be okay. One of the things they were supposed to find was in this room, and I, uh, yeah. Um, so we're, we're having a little bit of a technical difficulty in that uh, our, the firewall that we have here at the church was switched out this week. And they ran a bunch of tests to make sure things worked. One of the things we didn't check was our live stream. Um, and uh, it doesn't work. So <laughs> they're working on that, but we're not live streaming at the moment. We are going to record. So for those of you that are watching this with us, uh, recorded or on our podcast, which I know many of you do. Uh, welcome. We're glad that you are uh, at least able to join us after the fact. And if they're able to get us up live, then uh, we'll do that. I'm glad to be back in this room with you. I know last week, many of you gathered together uh, as some of our elders led us in a time of praying for our congregation. We try to do that several times a year on Wednesday nights. Um, and then I'm, I'm grateful for a time of a break. I'm able to by not preparing to teach on Wednesdays during uh, a couple of the summer months. Uh, and first, it lets us have some of the summer fellowships that were so well-received, but also gives me a little bit of a break to plan ahead and some sermon preparation, uh, and then also to, to get ready for new Equip series. Uh, I've been thinking a lot in the last several weeks about this one that we're going to be doing for the next um, 10 weeks. So I want to pray for us, and uh, then I'm going to introduce this uh, this fall's series to us. Let's pray together. Father, thank you for our time we can be together. I'm grateful to be back in the room with these brothers and sisters. Um, they, they don't realize how meaningful they are in my life, but you know, and I am grateful for their encouragement, uh, for the ways that they disciple and instruct me. Uh, and I'm uh, grateful, God, for the opportunity to pastor them as we make disciples together. And we pray, God, for our time this fall as we think about um, ways in which we can better equip ourselves to proclaim the gospel to all people, because this is the task that you have left us with, to make disciples of all people. And, and alongside of that, the beginning stages of that process of making disciples of all people is sharing the gospel with them in a way that they understand a way that they can connect with and a way that their eyes can be opened to the truth of the gospel and repent and believe unto salvation. God, would you save people because we do this, because we're obedient to train ourselves in um, what does it mean to share the gospel with all people? Would somewhere down the line, someone hear the gospel uh, and believe because of the faithfulness of your church. And we thank you, God, that you work those things together, that we don't have to worry about them, that we know that you're in control of them, and we're grateful for that. Uh, help us today as we kind of give somewhat of a refresher of uh, what does it mean to have a gospel conversation, and how do we even do that for those that maybe have never even considered it before. Uh, bless our time. In Jesus' name, amen. So let me introduce the whole series to you, and then I want to introduce today as well. Obviously, I alluded to a little bit of it as I opened our time in prayer. As we think about Equip series, uh, historically Equip over the last several years have, have been either large group settings or small group settings. 
we are looking at going back, offering some smaller group things on Wednesday nights and equip, maybe starting uh, with the new year. But me teaching in here has, has because of COVID, that gave us a lot more room to spread out, uh, t- typically has been fairly well attended. But what we weren't necessarily anticipating that uh, has been a benefit to being able to be in this room is that we're able to not only live stream it, which was attended regularly, which I hate that we're not able to do on our first week back, um, but also uh, the podcasts of these things have been downloaded numerous times. I, I keep interacting with people uh, saying they're listening to them you know, on their commute or on their lunch break at work or while they're working out. Um, and this is the only room we really have the technology to be able to do that in. And so we've got to look at being able to add maybe some technology and some other places to be able to do that later. So we said at least for the fall semester, I would keep teaching in here. And then as the elders think about equip, what we really do, we, we have this conversation every semester, uh, really months before as we're going into it. We look at those uh, six core competencies that our church has identified as, uh, you know, that, that are based off of our uh, reach in, uh, reach up, reach in, reach out uh, vision statement. And we ask where is areas in our church that we need to equip the saints for the work of ministry. And uh, we regularly come back to, and I think we will always regularly come back to, the need for continued training and equipping in the area of evangelism. Now, I did a series on evangelism maybe three years ago. I did that for several weeks uh, in the fellowship hall. And then I did a refresher about a year and a half after that. And this has now been another year, year and a half later from there. And that's really what I'm going to do tonight is some things that if you've been coming to equip for years, you've already heard me talk about. This will be the only time, this will be the only day in this 10-week series that you're going to hear me say some things that I've already said before. But the, the, the goal of today is to kind of refresh our memories on, on some things. And then the goal for the rest of the semester is going to be for us to think together about how we share the gospel with all people. And sharing the gospel with all people means we share the gospel with people that may not be exactly like us. The easiest person to share the gospel with is somebody that is like you. Somebody that thinks like you, has the same worldview, or at least a similar worldview. Maybe somebody that has some of the same kind of political ideas, same type of family structure. Uh, You know, you're from the same area. You're thinking the same way. You speak the same language. And these can be easier. People are not necessarily easy to share the gospel with. I would say some of you would probably say, Pastor, it's never easy for me to share the gospel. And I'm going to talk about that today, which is why we do this refresher every year, year and a half on the three circles. Um, but it's easier, right, to do that with somebody with similar worldview because you know the language, not even just like the English language, but you know, you know what they're thinking or at least can kind of empathize with what they're thinking as, as you're going through your gospel presentation and, having, and answering questions with them. Um, what's difficult and what I've had numerous questions from church members, really what sparked this was, Uh, I went about a two week period here. I had multiple questions from church members about how do I share the gospel with, and and you'd fill in the blank there because it was never the same person, never the same type of person, but it was, how do I share the gospel with my, um, you know, 
family member that does not believe in God at all, you know, atheist family member. How do I share the gospel with uh, my Muslim neighbor? That was one of the questions that I got. How, how do I share the gospel with it? You know, these varying types of people that are going to be different from us. And I thought this is a really interesting idea for us to spend an entire semester on, really following up on what I did last winter when we did the worldview study. We talked about biblical worldview in our winter equip for several weeks, and we hit on some of these varying worldviews that we see in um, our secular culture today, and then also some of the dominant worldviews that exist uh, kind of in a, in a major way throughout the world. But what we didn't answer was this question. Well, how do we then take that someone with that worldview and build a relationship with them, understanding what they believe and then sharing the gospel message with them in a way that they can understand in a way that they, that, you know, they'll be able to process according to that kind of worldview. And what are some of the major objections they may raise? What are some of the major questions they may ask? What are some of the similarities we may see? So we're going to be very thematic over the next nine weeks as every week I'm going to introduce one or more. Sometimes it's going to be one. Like we're going to take one whole week and think, think about Islam and what are the primary tenets of Islam? What are, what are the primary belief systems that we find within Islam? And so every week's going to kind of have an informational section uh, and then a practical section. So as you come into contact with people, uh, as you know, some people in our church had people move next door that are, that are practicing Muslims. Okay, great. You want to build a relationship there. Well, that's going to begin with you knowing certain things about what those people believe and then knowing what the inroads to those uh, through, because of what they believe, what are some of the inroads to the gospel? Uh, But that's different from one kind of worldview or belief system to another. And so we're just going to thematically kind of walk through them. Now, some of them may not be things that you're thinking about Um, For instance, one of the weeks I'm going to talk about uh, cultural Christianity, which I think is probably going to be one of the most um, uh, beneficial ones for us because of where we live. There are a lot of people around us in in our culture that would say they are Christian, but when you actually delve into what it really means to be a Christian, they are not Christians, right? But they are, they are Christian in their minds because of the culture that they were brought up in. And so that's one of the weeks that we're going to deal with. I am going to bring in a couple of guest speakers throughout the the next 10 weeks. I actually have plans to do two. Um, I'm going to bring our family pastor, Pastor Michael in one week, and he's going to talk about uh, the, the youngest generation, this Gen Z that is currently kind of coming through middle school, high school, uh, who he works with here on a weekly basis at our church. And to think through, because many of you have these children living in your homes, you will have them living in your homes one day, or they're your grandchildren or great-grandchildren. And you're asking these questions, like, how do I share the gospel with somebody that's 13, 14 years old? Or, you know, what, what, are, what is this generation being inundated with? And what are, they, what are we seeing trend-wise with beliefs? And so Michael's going to put that together. I'm also going to bring in a guy from uh, First Baptist Church of Norfolk. Uh, who is, uh, that's obviously a a very large church, one of the largest churches in our area. And they have a guy on staff there who works uh, just with military people. Uh, And and he's going to come in and share with us about how do we share the gospel with military people? How, How do we 
you know, what's unique uh, and what are some of the unique challenges? And obviously we could think about some of the unique challenges, but some, that some of the things he'll say are maybe a little bit of surprise to you. Uh, those of you that have spent a lot of time in the military, some of you are active in the military, you would know what some of those challenges are uh, for, for getting the gospel to military people and then how not only we as individuals could do that as we interact with uh, here in Hampton Roads, interact with a large military population, but maybe even also how we as a church can think more strategically. Uh, we had him here a couple of months ago, did a pastor training. We hosted it here at the church. Uh, and I, I thought it was so good. And I told him when it was over, I was like, I got to have you come talk to our church about this. So we've set that up for, for him to do. So that's what this semester is going to look like. Every week's going to be different. Every week's going to be thinking about uh, a different people group, different worldview, different religion. Uh, obviously, I haven't mentioned all of them because we're going to be doing it from now till Thanksgiving. And we'll kind of give some of the primary belief systems and challenges and then think together about how we can share the gospel with those people. So you may get to a week and you're like, well, I don't know anybody that believes that way, but you never know when somebody's going to move in next door. You never know when God's going to open an opportunity. And that's been my big prayer leading into uh, this equipped semester. My big prayer for our church is, God, would you put people in pathways of our, of our people that are attending this, who they're then gonna be equipped to share with. So maybe you don't like the fact that I've prayed this for you, but know this, I've prayed this for you and I'm praying this for me. God, would you put these kind of people in my way, in my path, put them next door to me, uh, you know, put, put them however it is I'm exposed to people so that I'll then be able to share the gospel. And I've prayed that exact same thing uh, for you. And I look forward to God uh, really answering that question for us, uh, or answering that prayer for us over the uh, coming weeks and months as we study together and then celebrate what, uh, what the, the Lord is doing. So hope this is going to be a profitable semester for you. We'll go all the way up until our, our Thanksgiving service, the, the Wednesday night before, or the week before Thanksgiving. We have a Thanksgiving service, then we'll take a break during the holidays and, and be back. So that's, we'll have a quip every Wednesday night between now and, uh, and Thanksgiving. So what I'm doing today, again, is just a refresher. Some of you, you've already heard me talk about this twice. It's going to be the third time. Let me tell you why this is important. I'm going to use a couple of personal examples. Um, and, and so let me give you, give me a personal example. When, um, well, let me just tell you, uh, kind of statistically why this is helpful. When, when people are asked, Christians are asked why, why we don't share the gospel. Do you know that um, over 90% of Christians, professing, born-again, believing Christians have never, never shared the gospel with anyone outside their home. Uh, it's something like 98% have, uh, um, don't regularly share the gospel with anybody. And so uh, obviously religious polling people want to ask, well, like if you've got the good news of Jesus and you believe this with all your heart, like why don't you share it more with people? The two primary answers we get from people are, number one, um, I'm afraid of being rejected. There's an emotional response, right? I'm afraid that somebody's going to tell me no. Or there's an intellectual response. I'm afraid that I'm not going to know the right thing to say. Or they're going to ask a question and I'm not going to have the answer to it. I'm going to feel dumb. Um, or I'm going to say the wrong thing, like heaven forbid, right? That I, that I say the wrong thing. And so I'm not confident enough in, you know, I'm not bold enough because I'm, I'm afraid of, you know, the, the rejection or I'm not confident enough in my knowledge to be able to share. So let me just share a personal example that kind of runs parallel to this, but not exactly right up to it. 
I've been in ministry uh, now, this is, I think, my 23rd year in, in ministry. And uh, when I started out, it was for a long time, most of you know, for a long time, I was a student pastor and a youth minister. That's kind of what I did. And every now and then I would get to preach on Sunday mornings. And uh, I look back on it now, I say, I have a VHS tape in my office that I still have not brought myself to watch because it was a sermon from 1999 that I preached. I have no doubt in my mind, it's just horrid, right? I, I have no idea what I preached. I know where I was, I know what church it was. And man, were those loving, there's a tiny little church in the country of Alabama. And man, were those people like gracious and loving towards me. They were so generous um, in their compliments, but I have no doubt it's just bad, right? And I can remember those early years of preaching being so nervous. I wouldn't sleep the night before. I am not by nature a public speaker. Um, I've shared that some with y'all before. Like that's not who I am by nature. It's really who I am in gifting, not in nature because it's only by the Lord's power that, that I do this with any kind of measure of confidence whatsoever. And um, I, I, I would lose sleep. Like I would not want to eat before it. I would be so nervous. And you know how I got over that? I mean, I, I do attribute it to the gifting of the Lord, but e- even just in those, those first several years, the way that I got over it was I learned uh, two things. One, I learned really good um, methods of preparation, right? To, if, you, if you prepare, I, I became convinced of this, like if you'll prepare well and use good preparation methods, then you'll be able to, uh, to preach well. Uh, and, and number two, I did it, practiced. Right? I took every opportunity to preach that, that I could. If somebody asked me to come preach, I didn't care what it was. I went and did it. And the, the longer I did it, the better I got at it, the more confident at least I got at it to where now uh, it's truly my favorite time of the week. I look forward to that. Uh, I look forward to this too. I, I love being able to teach and to preach. Uh, and I do so with confidence. I still don't do so perfectly. There's still times I look back on our sermons, my sermons here and I'm like, man, I wish I would have said that differently. <laughs> but it's okay. Um, but I got better at it. I became much more confident in my ability to do it because I learned, right, good preparation goes a long way and, and I practiced it. That's why I think a, re- a rehash, a rehearsal, a going back over of um, what we have kind of settled on as a really good way for us to train people in how to share the gospel every year, year and a half is helpful. Number one, there are some of you in here never have heard me talk about this before because you're, you're new in the last year, year and a half, and I haven't done this since then on Wednesday nights. So this is brand new for you. For others of you, you've heard it twice, you've heard it three times, um, but it's gonna help you because it's good preparation and it's encouraging you to practice it. It's encouraging you to get better and better at it and because the more you do it, the more you will do it, the more confidence that you're going to have in it. So if that's kind of like the, our human response to why we don't share the gospel, right? I'm, I'm, I don't know what I'm going to say, and I'm, I'm really worried about rejection. If you were to say today, well, that's not me, because I would say that, right? Like I am, uh, I am fully confident, not that I have every right answer, but I, have, I, I know the Bible well. Many of you know the Bible well. I feel like I can either answer someone's question or I can get to an answer pretty quickly. Um, and certainly I have preach the gospel all the time and get rejected by people and I still am able to sleep at night, right? So that, that's not my concern. But there are still times in my life where I'll go a long distance of time without having a gospel conversation. 
And maybe you will too. So I try to think like, well, why? If, if you're sitting here today and you say, well, that's not me. I am not the, I'm afraid of what I wouldn't know what to say. And I'm, I'm afraid of being rejected. Um, I'm, I'm willing today to have a gospel conversation with somebody, but I haven't in the last several days, the last several weeks, maybe in the last several months. Well, why? I think there's two reasons. First, we don't pray for them enough. And again, this is, this is me just kind of bearing to you my heart a little bit. Um, I, I find myself convicted, uh, as I was praying, as I was preparing this, I found myself convicted over the fact that I was going to tell you to regularly pray that God would give you the opportunity for gospel conversations that I had been praying for our Wednesday nights, that God would use these opportunities that we're going to, these different worldviews that we're going to do training on and religions and, and all this stuff to, to give you the opportunity to do to have gospel conversations, but I'm not, I haven't been in my own personal prayer life, at least enough, I think, praying that God would open specific doors for me to have gospel conversations with people. And so here's what I want to encourage you with. I think if you would look at your life and you say, okay, I'm not afraid to share the gospel. I want to share the gospel, but I'm not regularly having gospel conversations with people. The first answer may be, have you asked God to give you that chance? Are you going to the Lord saying, Lord, will you show me today somebody I can pray, I can share the gospel with? You know, if you wake up every morning and you say, God, will you show me today somebody I can share the gospel with? Pretty soon he's going to do it. Not that that person wouldn't have already been in your path, but you start asking God things and God's going to remind you that he asked you of those, that you had asked him those things along the way. So, so pray for it. Like, Make that a part of your regular prayer life. God, who should I share the gospel with? God, will you give me opportunities to share the gospel with people? Um, God, will you show me who it is, whose hearts you're preparing, you know, the field for harvest, right? We don't know what God's doing in people's lives, but you pray for it. Number two, the second reason I think is that we don't make ourselves available to lost people nearly as much as we should. If you want to know one of the greatest challenges for this subject as it relates to pastoral ministry. And again, I'm just being honest with you about my own struggles is that uh, my whole job is wrapped up in you people (laughs) and y'all are believers, (laughs) right? I'm around believers every day. Some of you would love that. Like some of you go to work every day and you're the only believer in the room, right? You're one of a few. And um, you hear me say, like, I go to work with believers every day. And you're like, man, that would be just incredible. Sometimes it is. Um, often it is. It's an encour- this church is an encouraging place to work. I mean, people are happy to be here in the main, you know. When y'all come to visit, like, it's, it's good. We do ministry together. So unless, like, I'm being intentional about going on a mission trip or leading some kind of, you know, community outreach project or something, like, just my day-to-day is far more surrounded with Christians than it is non-Christians. Now, some of you don't have that problem. You're surrounded by non-Christians. But some of us need to actually work harder to make ourselves available to non-Christian people. I have to remind myself of that. There's a couple of opportunities my family has embraced in our community um, that expose us to lost people. And I have to remind myself um, that I'm there intentionally for that purpose. Like we're, we're doing these things in our community for, for this very purpose. Because if not, I just won't, I won't do it. I won't take the opportunity. I won't look for those, look for those chances. So pray for it and then make yourself available in those, in those moments. Be, be ready uh, for this. So 
when I did this as a part of an, a whole equip series on evangelism, um, I wish we had that recorded, but we were doing that before we were doing the podcast stuff because I did a lot of theology of evangelism and there were some good things that led up to that. And then I took three weeks really to walk through the whole process of having a gospel conversation. And I'm gonna do it in about 30 minutes here, okay? So I'm taking about three hours worth of stuff and we're gonna make it, make it really brief. Because again, this is kind of a refresher for us. But when you have prayed and you've had, you know, your Lord, will you give me people in my life to have gospel conversations with. Maybe it's a family member, a friend, a neighbor, a coworker. Maybe it's the person cutting your hair. Maybe it's just somebody that you struck up a conversation with, waiting in line, you know, at the bank or I don't know where you go, but where doctor's office, wherever it is you go, right? And you're, you're around somebody and the Lord like kind of moves and stirs within you. And it's like, okay, this is your chance. Okay, I'm gonna, I'm, I'm gonna do it. Like what, what, what's the process that we wanna go through from like, I'm convinced now I'm, I'm ready to, to do this up until I'm calling this person to faith and repentance in, in Jesus Christ. And again, this goes back to where I began is that, is that preparation is a huge part of this. You, you need to be prepared for this. And that's where I think this little booklet is very helpful. There's another book. If we don't have any copies of it in the Equip Center, we need to get some more. Um, but you could buy it on Amazon too, um, uh, or anywhere that sells Christian books, right? It's called Turning Everyday Conversations into Gospel Conversations. I meant to bring it in here with me. Normally when I recommend a book, I bring it Turning Everyday Conversations into Gospel Conversations. It's a short book. It's really, really good. We've sold it here for years, and some, many of you have probably read it can be really helpful in thinking about, okay, how do I go from just striking up a conversation with my neighbor, with a coworker, with a friend, with just some random person I met, how do I go from that to actually engaged in a gospel conversation? And I would say the first thing is this, if you're not looking for the opportunity to have a gospel conversation, you probably won't. And that's where that book's really, really helpful turning everyday conversation to gospel conversations. It's really helpful in getting you to be proactive and talking to people um, with an intention. Not that you're being superficial, but that you're being intentional. You know, there's a difference between superficial. Okay, we there? All right, here we go. So, you know, it, it, the goal is not to be superficial. The goal is to be I- intentional, that, that you really want to know what, what people are saying. So for you to go from just a regular conversation, an everyday conversation, into a gospel conversation, here's, here's where it's going to start. It's going to start with you really listening to the other person and showing genuine concern, which, you know, we're pretty bad at right now. <laughs> um, we, um, it, for a long time in our culture, this isn't a, a recent phenomenon, um, more people, you spend more time in a conversation thinking about what you're going to say next than you do listening to what the actual person is saying. And that has progressed to the point where now we just talk over each other. We, you know, this has been a problem for a long time, uh, but it's gotten so bad now. And it's been, it's been like on steroids with social media and other things that we don't even really think about what somebody else is saying on a subject. We're just thinking about what our, what's the next thing I want to say. And so to really get into a gospel conversation with somebody, you're going to have to do something that's really unique and actually listen. (laughs) Listen to what another person is saying because they are going to give you an opportunity to transition. 
They're, they're going to give you that moment. Now, it may not happen in the first conversation. No, the Lord may lead you to share the gospel with somebody that's, you know, pumping gas next to you and you happen to strike up a conversation and can get to the gospel in like 45 seconds. Um, I'm terrible at that. Uh, there are people that are great at that and I'm grateful that God has gifted certain people in that way. And if that's you, that's, that's wonderful. Um, it may be multiple conversations that it takes. It's very often it takes several, conver- gos- uh, takes several you know, opportunities, but the Lord knows what he's doing. He leads you there. And also it can also take several gospel conversations. So sometimes it can take several conversations to get to the gospel. And it can take several gospel conversations to actually get to somebody who's willing to listen and respond to Jesus, right? So if, if they didn't listen once, maybe they'll listen again. So there's no, there, you know, there's no cookie cutter way of looking at this. And it's like, okay, I'm going to have a 90 second conversation and then I'm going to ask a question and that question's going to get us to the gospel, right? What we want to do is we want to wait for the right moment when a person is ready to listen. When that person has felt heard, that person has shared and you've identified that transition moment and it's, it's right And then when that moment is right, here's the hardest thing for us to do. The hardest thing for us to do is actually seize that moment. Is we go, okay, I'm in the conversation, I'm listening, I'm actually engaged, I'm being a good friend, a good family member, a good coworker, whatever, I'm I'm actually doing this. And they say something, and when they say it, because we're gonna talk about transitioning here in a second, like what we're looking for to transition, the easiest way to do that. Um, And they say that thing and you're like, okay, this, this is it. You gotta actually go for it, right? We think about what, what Paul writes in 2 Corinthians chapter 5. He says, therefore, we are ambassadors for Christ, God making his appeal through us. We implore you on behalf of Christ, be reconciled to God. For our, our sake, he made him to be sin who knew no sin, so that in him we might become the righteousness of God. We have to remind ourselves that this is the message, that this is who we are. We are ambassadors. We're not seeking to give people good advice. Our goal isn't, you know, at least on the surface just to help people with their problems. Um, there'll be people who will come, even church members sometimes that'll come and want to talk to the, the pastor, you know, I want to talk to the pastor. And, and what they really want, once we get 15, 20 minutes in the conversation, what they really want is to fix their problems. Well, like number one, I'm not equipped to fix people's problems. It's not really what I do. It's not what I'm trained to do. And number one, number two, I don't know. It's really a thing that people do that anybody's really great at doing what, what we're supposed to do is bring the gospel to bear in people's lives. Like that's what I do. Um, that's what I think pastors ought to do. That's what I think Christians ought to do with one another. So we help people see their circumstances through the light of the gospel. Well, that's really what you're doing in the gospel conversation, right? These people have maybe have never considered the gospel before, but you're about to take something that's going on in their lives and you're about to bring the gospel to bear in that. So it's not about you giving them some type of good advice. It's actually you being an, as Paul writes there in second Corinthians five, an ambassador for Christ, that this is who you are. And so what we're looking for is we're looking for someone to open the door to the fact that we live in a broken world. Now, you know, you know what most people, almost exclusively, 100% of people, you know what most people's favorite topic is? Themselves. People love talking about themselves. They love to tell you what's going on in their lives. And if not themselves, their grandchildren, their, you know, children, their spouse. And if you listen long enough, if you prove yourself to be a good listener, 
people actually love to talk about their problems. They're, people are pretty good. Like you don't have to talk to somebody very long before they're like, yeah, you know, so-and-so sick. This relationship is strained. My spouse lost their job. You know, this isn't working out in life like this. We're really struggling over here. This kid's not, you know, doing what they're supposed to be doing. People will have those conversations. Like people will say stuff like that to strangers pretty quickly, you know, because we really want, nobody's good at listening. And when somebody finds somebody that's good at listening, what do they do, man? They want somebody to listen to like this guy, listen. And so they'll start telling you all about it. And this is really what you're looking for because the easiest transition into the gospel is not a conversation about religion. It's not a conversation of, you know, do you believe in God or not? It's not a conversation, you know, about, are you an atheist or, you know, is it, you know, evolution, creation, science? Like these aren't the easiest ways to transition into the gospel. The easiest way to transition the gospel is to wait for somebody to bring up something that's a problem in their life and then bring the gospel to bear. And we do this through like pretty simple transition statements. Now I'm not going to give you one. I'm not going to tell you what yours needs to be because it needs to sound like you. If I give you a script to memorize, what you end up doing is, is memorizing, the, is memorizing the script. Now there is kind of one on the front page of this little booklet if you wanted to like steal one, right? The one that they, they have here is, you know, we live in a broken world surrounded by broken lives, broken relationships and broken systems. This brokenness is seen in suffering, violence, poverty, pain, death all around us. Brokenness leads us to search for a way to make life work. That's a transition statement. Now if you just read it off that thing, it probably didn't sound very, you know, very real if it sounded kind of superficial mine's normally something like you know I've, I've not been through that exact thing but I've been through similar things in life and you know when I go through financial trouble relationship trouble you know sickness you know in, in my family what it reminds me of is that I live in a very broken world we, we live we live in a world that is not as it is supposed to be and you know what I've done right there? In something that sounded like, like I'm empathizing with you, I'm, I have sympathy for your issues, I'm connecting with you. Here's what I've done. I've taken the conversation and I've moved it from your problem to our problem. It didn't matter what their problem was, right? What are all problems in this world caused by? Sin, Right? Our sin, someone else's sin, generational sin, like it, it, they may not be the cause of it. I mean, it all goes back, even, even sickness that we didn't bring on ourselves because, you know, we don't think about sickness biblically in that sense that somebody was bad and so God gave them cancer, right? That, that's not the way that we, we need to think scripturally. But why do people get cancer? Well, people get cancer because of sin. The fallen condition of the world is, is why people get sick. It's why people have problems, right? So we're, we now can go from any little problem somebody has, can empathize with it, and we can, in a way that makes sense for you, whether it's something similar to what's on the front of this, whether it's what, you know, kind of what I said, hey, you know, I've never been through that exact thing, but been through similar problems like that. And, and when, when I go through that, when my family goes through that, it always reminds me that we live in a world that's broke. It's just, there's brokenness all around us. And we see this 
We see it in people's relationships. We see it in, in, in our world. We see it in politics. You know, we see it on the news every night, every, you know, 24 hour news cycle. Every time you turn on something, there's, there's another problem. Well, well, now what we've done is we've gotten ourselves to the gospel. It shouldn't sound strange. It shouldn't come across as some sales pitch. You're having a conversation with people. The moment you stop having a conversation and start giving a sales pitch, people think you're selling them something. We're not selling people anything. Look, I can't sell the gospel to anybody. All I can do is present the gospel to them. And I go back to what I said at the beginning. The more practiced you are, the more prepared you are to be able to do this, the more naturally it's going to sound like you're just telling people, ultimately, this is what this is, right? You're just telling people what you believe anyway. You're not going to share the gospel with someone if you're not convinced that the gospel is the ultimate answer to, the, to all the problems in the world, which it is, by the way. The gospel is the answer to all the problems in the world because the gospel is the one thing that reconciles sinful man with holy God. If you believe that with all your heart, you ought to be able to at least practice it enough and know, know it well enough to be able to share that in a way that comes across as natural. You think about other things that you love. I can sit here and talk about college football with you until the sun comes up tomorrow. So I love it. And I'll talk about it and I'll make fun of your team. I'll make fun of my team this year because we're bad. Um, but I, I mean, look, we'll do it. And I'll, I'll just, we'll talk and talk and talk and talk and talk. I, and it'll be natural. It won't ever feel like, well, why? Because that's the thing that I love. You can do that with your grandkids. You can do that with your work. You, can get, you know, Whatever it is that you're passionate about, gardening. I mean, whatever it is. Well, let's get to where we can do that with the gospel. Where it's not going to be a sales pitch. It's just going to be something that's, that's real. Now, your transition statement needs to be generic enough to where you can take any problem somebody has and transition. Um, it needs to be generic enough, but it needs to be specific enough that you're getting to the beginning of the gospel presentation, that you're getting them to the fallen condition of the world. So that's, that's our goal. Now, when we did this, I spent one whole week on transitions a few years ago. I think it was 2017 when we talked about evangelism. I made you all practice. We don't have time to do that. But practice that tonight. Maybe go home, husband and wife, do it with your family. Find somebody in your small group. Say, I would love for small groups to do this. We had small groups doing this for a little while. People were practicing like in small group, after small group. They were calling each other on the phone, looking for opportunities. Um, like actually just have, have converse, regular conversations with people. Um, if you struggle with that, buy that book I recommended, Turning Everyday Conversations to Gospel Conversations. Buy that book. It'll help you. It'll help you like actually be a, become a good conversationalist. It's part of what the book's about but it'll help you with that transition, right? And then practice it, be ready for it. Be ready to be able to do it in not a sales pitchy, weird kind of way. Not a, oh yeah, I've got the solution. Here's my little, here's my little pamphlet. Um, but what you're doing, I know, right? I'm gonna sell you these knives. Like that's sometimes what we sound like as Christians, you know, like a door-to-door salesman. We don't wanna be that. We're gonna be genuine with people and because we believe this, right? We truly believe this is the truth. And then what we end up doing, the goal is then to be able to walk through the gospel with people. Now, you can walk through the gospel with people in all manner of ways. I used to do faith training at my church uh, in two churches I worked at. Did you remember, if you've been Baptist long enough, like you remember F-A-I-T-H. F stands for forgiveness. We can, anyway, it's a whole thing. It was long, though. And then like evangelism explosion. If you're really a Baptist, you remember evangelism explosion, which was before that. And it was even longer than faith. Like faith was like short compared to E.E., Three Circles is kind of the new Baptist thing. This is actually being published by North American Mission Board. It was written by a church, family church. It was a Baptist church pastored by Jimmy Scroggins down in Florida. It's amazing the people they've seen come to, come to faith. This is, I think, one of the most natural ways to ever share the gospel with people. And it is like 
it bridges all kind of cultural gaps and divides. It's visual, which is really great. Uh, there's an app. If you, if you, you can go to your little app store, whatever, whatever kind of phone you have, type in uh, three circles and it'll come up like, and you can just like flip through it. You can download it on somebody's phone and they can flip through it. I have literally drawn this in the sand in Africa. It makes a lot, you know, because it's visual for people. It's designed to be drawn on a napkin in a restaurant. That was where it first started. Like, get out a pen and take out, you know, get a little cocktail napkin and I can draw this. Um, So that's what we're looking for, right? We want something that's easy, quick to communicate, but tells people the essential truths of the gospel. And there, again, so there's any way you can do that. Uh, This is a good one. It's not the only one. Maybe you have one that you've already memorized and it's your way. Uh, but we have these available. We order them by the thousands, I think, um, at least by the hundreds. We have them available. We can give you as many of them as you want. We send mission teams with them. Again, you can download the app. And so this is kind of our preferred method because it's easy, it's simple. I think you can learn it. And I think it clearly communicates the gospel really well. And it's called three circles because you end up drawing three circles uh, with three different arrows with a few other words. And so I just kind of want to walk through this with us really quick. And so that's why I wanted you to pick one of these up. If you didn't grab one, you can do that. Or you just open your phone, go to the app store, type in three circles. There it is. You have it on your phone. Uh, it'll actually tell you what to say. I think there's even a video on there. Like it's pretty good. But so if you're, if you just like follow through with this, I'm going to just kind of walk through it as the way I would share it with somebody. I'm not going to draw it because I don't even draw with, but that's why I wanted you to have one of these so you could see the drawing. And maybe you'll just flip through it as I go. The first circle you'd draw, you'd put the word God's design in it. And here's what you've done, right? You've already transitioned. You've already been like, oh yeah, I I can empathize with that problem. And when I have that problem, I recognize that, man, we live in a broken world. And um, they may say, well, what do you mean broken? Like, what what does it mean that that it's broken? For something to be broken, it had to be fixed at one point, right? It had to be, and that's, that's kind of what you say, you know, it's like we go from, it's broken because it used to be as God made it. Like God designed our world to be perfect. We were in right relationship with one another. We were in right relationship with nature and our world. And we were in right relationship with him. Like this is how God designed humanity to be in right relationship. And the first people were in right relationship with God. And it was incredible. Like they they, and, and everything was right. There was nothing wrong in the world, but then something, uh, but now the world that we experience is we can draw the second circle, right? Now the world we experience is broken. We experience brokenness all the time. We experience it in our health. We experience it in nature. We experience it in our relationships. We experience it in our finances. We experience it everywhere. Like we're just broken. Well, why are we broken? We're broken because how do we get from God's design to brokenness? That's what that first arrow is. Sin. I always find it helpful, you know, if you, if you spend, you know, an hour long gospel conversation and and maybe you have an hour long gospel conversation, the norm, the first one's normally like four or five minutes. That's what you're going for. You could, you have time to take people to all places in scripture, but in a five minute gospel conversation, you don't. So it's helpful to actually memorize a couple of really basic scriptures. And here's the first passage of scripture I ever memorized as a kid was Romans 3, 23, for all of sin and fall short of the glory of God. So I use that one there. I'm like, you know, this is what the Bible says. The Bible says that all of us are responsible for the brokenness around us. That we can't look at one person or another and put blame on them. Right? I can't blame somebody that's being mean to me and say, well, you're the reason that all things are broken in the world. No, I'm to blame too. I'm somebody else's brokenness, right? And I'm ultimately my own brokenness. 
that all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. And it's led to this broken world that we live in. And then you'll notice on the, all those little squiggly lines, if you're looking at the little brokenness. This is one of my favorite parts. You see, we spend our whole lives trying to fix our brokenness. That's what all those little squiggly lines are. So every time I would draw one of those lines, I would say something like, you know, we lose our job, so we run out and get another job. We have a relationship fail, so we run out and we get another relationship, right? No matter what the brokenness is, we're always trying to fix it on our own. And here's what we learn. Even when it seems like it's succeeding, here's ultimately what we learn. Can't fix it. We end up back in the same brokenness, most often worse off than we began because brokenness just kind of compounds on itself. Sin stacks on sin, stacks on sin. We end up worse off than we began, right? Because we can't fix it on our own. And this is when you draw the third circle and you say, but there's good news. The Bible calls this good news the gospel. That's really what the gospel, the word gospel just means good news. And the, the, the good news is that God sent Jesus, his perfect son, to live a perfect life and die a death, a sinner's death that he didn't deserve, that we all deserved, but he did it for us so that we could then be restored to God's design. And, and you know, I often use a scripture like 1 Corinthians 15. Um, I, I often paraphrase this scripture, but I have it written here. I'll just read it to you. Now I remind you, brothers, of the gospel I preached to you, which you received, which you stand by, and which by which we are being saved, if you hold fast the word I preached to you, unless you believed in vain. For I deliver you as first importance what I also received, that Christ died for our sins in accordance with the scripture, that he was buried and was raised on the third day in accordance with the scripture. Do you notice what Paul says there? Let me just instruct you. I'm going to stop my gospel conversation for just a moment. Do you notice what Paul says, says there? He says, for I deliver to you as of first importance. He didn't say it's the only thing people ever need to know, but it's the first thing people need to know. And this is one of the places we so often get derailed in gospel conversations with people is we want to compound the gospel. And we want to add all of these other, in our mind, essential beliefs to the gospel. Listen, there's lots and lots of times to talk about all of the many beautiful and wonderful and deep, rich things the Bible teaches us. But when we're sharing the gospel with someone, do you know who we ought to agree with? We ought to agree with the Apostle Paul. I deliver to you that which is of first importance, that Jesus died for our sins in accordance with the scripture, that he was buried and raised on the third day in accordance with the scripture. I think I don't need to argue with Paul. Paul says, here's what's of first importance, Jesus and his sacrifice for us for the remission of sin. That's what we need to communicate with the gospel. Now, they may have questions. They will have questions. And, and if you got time, you can answer questions. But what you always want to do is bring it back to this very idea that Jesus died for our sins, right? So now we've got three circles drawn, God's design, brokenness, and the gospel. And we've got this sin arrow, but we're missing these other two arrows. So we, here's our first connection. It goes from brokenness to the gospel. And you may ask a question like this. It's like, okay, well then how do we get from brokenness back to God's design? The only way to do that is through the gospel. This is when you draw that second arrow with the words repent and believe, because this is really what we do. This is our response to the gospel, that out of our brokenness, we repent. To repent means to change the way that you think. Uh, it's, a, it's a word with a kind of a word picture almost. It's the, this idea that, that 
I'm living this way because of what I believe, but when I change the way that I believe, I'm now going to live a different way. I'm changing the way that I think. So repent and believe. Believe is to trust in the gospel, to trust in faith in the person and work of Jesus. So for us to get from brokenness back to God's design, we have to do it in God's way. And to do it in God's way means that we no longer are living for ourselves. We're no longer believing what we used to believe, but we're now believing something new. We're believing the gospel. And then we get to that final arrow is that once we've believed in the gospel, then we get to spend the rest of our lives recovering and pursuing God's design. Repenting and believing doesn't fix every broken thing that we deal with. You know, People could come to faith. You could lead somebody to faith. They could share a problem with you. You could use that problem to transition to the gospel. You could share the gospel with them. They could repent and believe. And you know what? When they leave that place, that problem's still there. Because our problems don't go away immediately. And really, fully, they don't go away until we're glorified with Christ in heaven. But we do get to spend the rest of our lives in right relationship with God, pursuing, having recovered then that God's design and pursuing that in, in obedience. And this is an ongoing process. And you tell people, this doesn't mean that everything's going to be perfect today. It does mean they will be perfect one day. And you get to spend the rest of your life living for God and, and following him. Now, Again, are there lots and lots of things that are left out of there? Sure, there are. Are there some good things that maybe you could include? Maybe you say, well, I really want to be able to say this. That's fine. Don't overcomplicate it, though. Our goal is to get people to understand the beauty of the gospel, that they can hear it and believe it. And we can work out all that other stuff. Now, they may stop you there and have lots of questions because this is truthfully what, what happens, right? We're, we're going to share this with people. They're going to have questions. Um, and this is really one of the most difficult parts for people. I think the first most difficult part for people is actually transitioning to it. And when you're in it, like you're in it and you're, you're, you're going, you're not going to stop, right? You, once you start, you're not, you're not going to stop. You're going to keep going. You're going to get through the end of it. And here's what people often do. Man, I watch people do this. I'm probably guilty of this. Is I've given someone the gospel. And I end up treating it like it's good information instead of something that they need to be invited to actually believe there in that moment, right? Because somebody will hear that and they'll be like, oh, well, that's nice. <laughs> I've actually had people say that. I've had people say, that's real. I'm glad that works out for you. Or I've had people say, yeah, that sounds really, you know, that sounds really tempting. That's, you know, that's interesting. Maybe they want to argue, you know, whatever. And our temptation is going to be to not do this very next step, which is crucial. The next step is this, to actually look at somebody and say, okay, you, you know, maybe you drew it on a napkin. Maybe you use it. Maybe you're on your phone. Where on here are you? Find yourself in this thing. That's the question you got to ask the person to do. They're going to give an initial response, whatever that is. But don't, don't take that as an out. Look at them and say, okay, where on here do you think you are? You'll get, any, you'll get all kind of answers, right? But if they're honest with themselves, if they don't know Jesus, hopefully they're going to see themselves here. Now, again, remember, you started with a problem that was happening in their lives, and so they definitely see themselves here. And if you were able to, like, personalize this in any way, they definitely would see themselves here. And then you would ask this. Is there anything that would keep you from repenting and believing the gospel right now? 
If this person truly sees themselves in brokenness, then the question is, what's keeping you from here? What's keeping you from repenting and believing? Now, we so often don't ask that question. All right, so we've done that. Let's say we're, we're doing it. We're, where are you? Have you believed it, right? We're gonna get three types of responses. I think Acts chapter 17 is, uh, is real interesting. Paul's in his second missionary journey here. Um, in Acts 17, 32 through 34, we read, now when they heard of the resurrection of the dead, some mocked, but others said, we will hear you again about this. So Paul went out from their midst, but some men joined them um, and believed. Uh, among them were two guys and a woman uh, and others with them. Do you notice that there are three responses there? And I just find this really interesting. Like in those three verses, we see all three responses that we'll ever get to the gospel. The first is when they heard about the resurrection of the dead, some mocked. That's the first response. Some people, if you use this, when I did this training a few years ago, we used it as a red, yellow, and green light, right? If you remember that. This is a red light response. These are people that are gonna think you're crazy. They may be nice to you because you've been nice to them, but it's pretty easy. Most of us are um, socially aware enough to tell when somebody's just being nice to be nice and they're laughing at us on the inside. Look, you gotta be comfortable with that. And people are just going to be like, hey, that's great for you. But, you know, or, or they may say, man, that, that's just total hogwash. Or, you know, they may do, but it's what happened to Paul and his mission team. And if it happened to him, it's going to happen to us, right? That's the that's first. And, and by the way, let me just encourage you. Jesus said that's going to happen to us in John 15. If the world hates you, know that it hated me before it hated you. If you were of the world, the world would love you as its own. But because you are not of the world, but I chose you out of the world, therefore the world hates you. Stop trying to make the world love you, Right? Don't be mean to the world. We don't be cruel. But the world hated Jesus again, right? They mocked Paul. Probably going to do that to us too. And it's okay. What do we do in that situation? We stop. We don't argue. We just stop. We graciously invite them to keep, keep or remember the three circles. Say, hey, will you keep this thing? My church buys this thing by the thousands. Here, you keep it, you know? Let me download this on your phone for you. If you ever have any questions, don't argue. There's no point. Look, arguing gets you nowhere. You're not going to argue anybody into the kingdom of God. I don't care how smart you are, how many apologetics books you've read, how many Paul Washer videos you've watched. Like you're not going to be able to argue anybody in the kingdom of God. It just, it doesn't work that way. All right. That's not the way hearts are regenerated. So if somebody is mocking, if somebody's hating, eh, fine. Okay. I love you, man. Let me know if I can help. Um, and then would you keep this? The second response that we see in Acts 17 though, right? Is, but others said, we will hear you again about this. Now, what does that mean? That means they haven't believed, but they are open to the idea of, of asking some questions and getting some answers. This gives you the opportunity, if you have a chance right then, to extend the conversation. If you don't, it has a chance to arrange for a follow-up. Okay, well, let's get together and talk more about it, right? If somebody gives you that, hey, we'll hear more about this, somebody says, you know, I'd love to know more about that. And this is what most people who ultimately come to the gospel, not most people, a lot of people are going to be in that first category. But most people who ultimately come to the gospel are going to be right there. They're going to say, man, that's really interesting. I'd like to know more about that. Well, first off, here, you can have this, right? Second, if it's somebody you know, somebody you're around, somebody, let me give you my number. Can we meet for coffee? Can we go somewhere and talk? Like, I'm free right now. Like, we're sitting around the house. Maybe it's somebody in your family. You say, okay, what questions do you have? Now, I recognize what you're opening yourself up to is, 
that initial fear that I talked about all the way at the beginning. Like, well, I don't know. I don't share the gospel because I'm, what happens if they ask a question on the answer to? The best thing you can be prepared to say is, I don't know. Some of you have come to me and asked questions, uh, like theological questions, doctrinal questions, you know, stuff. And it's taken you aback a little bit when I'm like, I don't know. Uh, because maybe you think, you know, it's my job to know. Well, I mean, you know, there's, it, he's God. It makes him an awful lot bigger than us, okay? And so for me to know everything there is to know and every answer to every question, I can't know that. But I'm like really comfortable in my own skin to be able to say, well, I don't know, but let me do some research. I know, you know, there are people that have written on this. Maybe there's some research that I could do. And so maybe you say that. Maybe so, I don't know, but you know, my pastor may know or my small group leader may know or my friend may know. And let me ask. Maybe that's what you do, right? Uh, be prepared, be fine. Don't, the worst thing you can do is make it up. Actually, the worst thing you can do is not go into the conversation because you were afraid and you wouldn't have the answer. The second worst thing you can do is answer them with something that's not true, okay? So if you don't know, you don't know, and it's fine. But always, he, he, this, is a, this is important, right? So hear me on this. What we're always wanting to do is remember that we're in a gospel conversation because people are gonna wanna talk about things that aren't the gospel, they're going to talk about, you know, what I preached on Sunday, a biblical sexual ethic, because we live in this really messed up sexual world. They're going to want to talk about science versus religion. They're going to want to talk about, you know, the atrocities that religion has committed over the course of centuries. People are going to want to talk about all manner of stuff. I've had people bring up, I cannot tell you the, the kinds of things people will say. And here's what, here's what I'll say. I'll give a brief answer to some of those. And always end my answer with a circle back to the gospel. We say, you know, th that's, that's an interesting conversation. The Bible speaks clearly about it. Let me tell you what the Bible says. But what's most important is what are you really doing with this information? Because if, if you're not coming to God through the gospel, through the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus, then there's nothing for you, right? A green light response is we need to actually help this person. This is somebody that does what they did in, in Acts 17, right? Some joined and believed. This is probably the most shocking one. Like you're going to share it and somebody's going to be like, I would like to believe that right now. And you're going to be like, oh, I don't know what to do. What did you do when you came to faith in Jesus, right? You repented and believed. That's what you've told them they need to do. Tell them how to do that. At, when you've asked that person, you know, if there's anything to keep you from repenting and believing in the gospel right now, if they say, no, I want to repent and believe the gospel, this is good news. First off, recognize you didn't get them there. The Lord did. You're just the vessel that's sharing the gospel with them. He's the one regenerating their heart. This is great. All you got to do is keep pointing them in the right direction. That's all you've done so far. Now, for a lot of us, I know it's right at 730, but I, I want to finish this. For a lot of us, it, um, we're used to like, we were raised in uh, the revivalist age where it's like, all right, bow your heads, close your eyes. If you believe this, I want you to say this prayer after me. You remember that? We've all heard that. You notice like you all come to church here. I don't do that. There's a really distinct reason that, that I don't do that. Um, and it's not that it's wrong that people do it. If, you, if that's the way that you came to faith, um, it's the way that I came to faith. Uh, it's fine. All right. But I do think there's a better way. And, and the better way is for us to guide someone in how to do something and then for them to do it on their own. Instead of me saying, okay, well, I'm gonna, you know, 
pray this sinner's prayer with me, which is not something that's in the Bible anywhere. And you say, well, wait, it's in the back of my King James Bible. Yeah, but the publisher put it there, okay? God didn't put it there. But there are some things, so, so you say, well, then what do I need to have them pray? Well, they need to pray this gospel thing that you presented to them, right? What are the things that they need to pray? Like, they need to recognize that there is God, so they're praying to God. They need to recognize that, that sin exists and that they've sinned and that it's led to brokenness and that they need forgiveness. They need to profess faith in Jesus, right? That's that belief, a desire to repent, and then a desire to follow Christ with their lives. So basically, you're just teaching them how to pray quickly according to these circles, and so you could just say that. If you want to lead them in a prayer, you could lead them in a prayer. But I think if you just say, well, they say, well, what do I do? You say, well, tell God what you've heard and what you now believe. And if the Lord's doing this work in their life, you'll be amazed at what God will birth in somebody's heart there in that moment for them to cry out to him in faith and repentance. So I'm not telling you you can't, you know, give them a, you know, you know the gospel prayer. Um, but I would... Uh, I, I would encourage them to, um, there's actually one, in, there's kind of a guide in here. It's not a prayer, uh, but here's some words. It's, it says on this page, here's some words you can use to talk to God, right? So that's what we want to help people do. And then you want to say, okay, now you're a follower of Jesus. Now it's time to grow and be discipled. You want to connect them with your church, our church. Uh, if you're on, if this is on a mission trip, you know, like, we, we never send mission teams where we don't have some way of connecting somebody to some church. The hardest one is our Appalachian Trail team, but like Steve's worked hard. Like we'll connect people with churches back where they're from if we get that information. Like we, we're, we want to help because the disciple-making process at that point has just begun. Most likely this is going to be a person in your life, so it means you could bring them here, be a part of your small group, come to our church. Then we talk about baptism, we can talk about church membership, we can talk about all these discipling things. But all of those discipling things are not of first importance, Christ and him crucified for our sin. This is what we want to be able to communicate with people. So that's why I want to encourage you. This is a refresher course for many of you. For some of you, you heard it for the very first time. Buy that book if, you, if you've never read that. Get one of these, walk through it. Practice it with your spouse. Practice it in your small groups. Uh, practice it with a, a you know, accountability partner. Have conversations. When I did this, I like I actually made y'all have like actual conversations just about work and life. And then look for opportunities for gospel conversations. You'd be surprised at how helpful that kind of stuff is. Because again, the more you practice it, the more you practice it, the better, the more confident you're going to be in your ability to actually do it. And the more you pray for opportunity to do it, the more often God is going to lead someone in your life so that, that you can do that. So this is the kind of the general. Now what we're going to do over the course of the next several weeks, we're going to introduce these people that are probably different than most of us in here and ask these questions, okay, well then how can I get to this through with somebody that's, you know, a Muslim and has a Muslim background, somebody that's an atheist, somebody that really disagrees with stuff we say, somebody that just kind of has a different lifestyle than me. Like how can I get to the gospel with those people? And then what are some of those main objectives that we may hear because of their worldview or belief system? Um, and so this is gonna be both informational and, and practical uh, every week as we, as we seek to discover how we proclaim the gospel to all people. So let me pray for us. We'll be done. Father, thank you that you birthed in us new life when we heard the gospel and believed. Let us not take for granted. We weren't born into this, um, born into a church, um, but your Holy Spirit birthed us into it when you brought us from death to life. Thank you, God, for the 
people who shared the gospel with me. Thank you, God, for the people who shared the gospel with those sitting here. Would we be those people for others, we pray. Let us be faithful and true uh, to what we know is the answer to all of the world's problems, the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus Christ for the remission of sin. We pray in Jesus' name, amen. Thank you for being here. God bless you.